0: Every season is spooky season in our book, so settle in and prepare to be Shook. You are listening to Shook, a comedic podcast about all things paranormal and unexplained. Hi, I'm Santa. And I'm Amanda, and I have a toxic trait. And that toxic trait is turning my daily contacts into monthly contacts. And I am ashamed.
1: No, we've we we've, no. We've, we've done been over this. I that uh. that was my toxic trait once upon a time. And then I got the eye ulcer, which that's a story for another day. And <laughs> since we're talking about toxic traits, uh I'll share one of my many and this is one that I've definitely brought up before, but one of my toxic traits is that I have this Routine of making this smoothie every day. I just, I convince myself that if I don't make the smoothie, then everything's going to go to shit. And if I do make Mm. the smoothie, then everything is going to just, everything's going to turn around and everything's going to be great if I just make the smoothie. So I put, my toxic trade is I put all my hopes and dreams and everything into this, One smoothie. The stakes are high for the smoothie. It's like one of those keystone (laughs) habits. Keystone habits from the power of habit. I made my smoothie for the yesterday for the first time in days because I fell off and and honestly things did kind of go to shit. So there might be something. Mercury is retrograde as we this. Mercury's always in retrograde.
0: I hate it. There's always some shit. I'm not a fan. (laughs)
1: welcome to shook negativity podcast
0: (laughs) don't claim any of this
1: negative energy or do if you want
0: those are my favorite comments (laughs) in the tiktok threads like i do not claim any of this energy my favorite is when
1: someone comes in and says i claim all of this negative energy
0: (laughs) i I claim it all i just want it (laughs) yeah i see it i like it i want it i got it that's for you, Emily.
1: Oh, another toxic trait. I I buy Perrier constantly. Like, I'm not a rich person. It's really not within my budget to be always buying Perrier, but I, I simply have to have it. And hey, it happens. Living above my means, toxic
0: trait, number toxic trait. 57. It's a thing that you have to go through in life, I think.
1: Yeah. Maybe Maybe I'll go through it or just keep doing it come out on the other side <laughs> maybe I'll come out on the other side rich enough to afford the perrier yeah and all of it and not living above my means but affording everything that I want yes. manifesting that <laughs> positivity podcast oh Amanda you need to tell us about the really cool celebrity tea from our Instagram stories that happened recently oh.
0: Yes, okay, so May 19th, which was semi-recently, was one of the best days of my life, not to be dramatic, and that's because not only did Ghost Adventures pump out house calls, it was also the day that Taco Bell got their act together and brought back the Mexican pizza, and I had not one, but two. I ate both of them, and I have no shame, maybe that's a toxic trait, I don't know, (laughs) but... I celebrated that day, and I took a photo of my Mexican pizza up against my TV screen, watching my Ghost Adventures house calls. Our friends at Ghost Adventures, their social media team, reshared my story, and so did Zach Bagans. It was a great day.
1: Yes, that was so exciting when you like shared that in in the GC in the group chat. I was shook, and I was at work. So I didn't even get to fully process that that had happened until like later when I got home. But like I saw it and I was like, "Wait, really? Is this real? What?" Yeah, yeah. We love him. We stand. We stand Ghost Adventures and the entire cast and crew. We stand
0: the dramatics. We stand.
1: (laughs) We stand the dude bros just getting in there and stomping around in their jeans. Getting in there and saying, "Come at me, bro!" to the ghosts and riling them up. Aaron, that's Aaron's my was, favorite. he's my favorite too. You're my fave. Why am I talking to him? He's not watching this. He might, sorry. He <laughs> might. Shook negativity podcast. Aaron, watch this because we love you. We stand. And yes. my, I just have a bone to pick about the fact that I feel that he is always kind of sent in there to be alone with the ghosts, And I can always sense on camera his genuine fear like oh, of doing that. He's such a sweetie. And then I feel like he's talked about before, like getting, having some kind of demonic attachment after visiting one of the sites. Aaron is
0: such a sweet bean. So if you go to the ghost adventure subreddit, anytime someone posts something silly, you'll see this, the Zach Bagans bot and he says, "Aaron, go to the basement. (laughs) Cause he always does get singled out. He does
1: get sent to be somewhere by himself. All the time. To just hope for the best. I mean, maybe it is better for TV to send the most scared person.
0: Uh, Yeah, probably. That makes sense. He's so sweet. He's just so endearing to me. Yeah. I just think he's adorable.
1: He's a small bean. And his dad, in that episode where they went to his dad's house, I loved his dad. He was really sweet, too.
0: I know. And I just was
1: like, get that man out of that house. Get him out. Get him to rat now. Get him
0: out of that house.
1: (laughs) the hail now. I
0: reckon that cabinet chick, that cabinet girl, is gonna get him. That cabinet girl needs to do... She needs to cross over to the other side. Oh, my gosh. That was so scary. when I, I think it was nighttime when I watched that the first time. I've seen that episode a couple times. But watching that, the first time, I was literally about to sharp my pantaloons.
1: Yeah, because that was the first time... Watching that season was, like, the, my first time watching Ghost Adventures in a while. Like, I hadn't watched it in several years. And, you know, there's yeah. so many seasons. So, I was like, let me start with some of these newer episodes. And Right. So, that was my first time seeing the technology where it, like, shows the outline. Kind of like the stick mm-hmm. figure of the spirit. Yeah.
0: I need to Google. I need to micro-google what, what that the, right, I don't instrument's know. called. I forget. Yeah, that... Yeah, it's where they single out the anomaly.
1: The phenomena. <laughs> well,
0: Santa, do you want to hear about what story has me shook this week? Yes. You do? You're ready for this? I'm ready. Awesome. Okay, well, my story this week is none other than the skunk ape. What yep. the fuck is a skunk ape? <laughs> You're fixing to learn, honey. But this story, for sure, the first time I saw or heard anything about the Skunk Ape, was on Unsolved Mysteries as a child. And it literally scared the SpaghettiOs out of me. I could not handle it. And also, side note, another toxic trait. I loved SpaghettiOs, but every single time I ate them, they decided they didn't want to stay in my tummy. If you get my drift. Yeah. Like throw up? Uh yeah, I threw
1: up. (laughs) (laughs) The alien in the (laughs) meme of the alien in the doorway.
0: Yeah. So anywho's, it's back to the skunk ape. So the skunk ape is a tall bipedal ape-like cryptid that is covered in reddish brown hair, and it's said to stealthily roam the southeastern United States, primarily in Florida, but it's also been reported in Georgia and Alabama. I should note that a cryptid, if you are unaware, is an animal that has not officially been proven by scientists to exist. So similar cryptids from across the globe would include the Bigfoot, the Yowie, the Almas, the Yeti, and the Yeren. Other names of this cryptid would include Florida Bigfoot and the Swamp Ape. However, this creature most famously, is known as the skunk ape because it's apparently super freaking stinky. You could say that Mr. Krabs would describe it. You remember Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob? Duh. Yeah, he would describe it as a smelly smell that smells smelly. <laughs> <laughs> What's that line from Anchorman? Oh, it smells like Bigfoot's dick. <laughs> I love that movie. But yeah, so this smell that it has, it's often described as being like that of a skunk, obviously, or a dog that's not bathed in forever and just got completely drenched by a rainstorm. So there's that. I'd rather meet the Mothman. Yeah, same. TBH. And that's never a fun one to run across either. But yeah, this guy, he's basically got the worst case of B.O., of all time. Reports of the skunk ape sightings, or creatures that have a similar description, go as far back as even 1818 by European settlers. But most reports of the skunk ape sightings were made between the 1940s and the 1990s. So we've got several witnesses of this guy, and the key player in this story is none other than David, AKA Dave Sheely. Ew, David. David. not necessary (laughs) not necessary but we're here for it i freaking love schitt's creek dude it's one of my favorite shows it's so good i love a good riches to rags story riches
1: to rags it's what they deserved (laughs) they needed to be humbled
0: yeah okay so key player david aka dave shealy in 1973 Dave and his big brother Jack, they were hanging out on a hot, muggy day down by the swamps in Ochopee, Florida, which is down on the Everglades about 75 miles west of Miami. His brother said to Dave that he noticed something wandering off in the distance in the swamp, and Dave was only a wee 10-year-old at the time, and he wasn't big enough to see over the tall grass what Jack was observing. So Jack picked Dave up and Dave described what he saw over in the prairie as being a tall, hairy figure that was standing around, and he approximated it to be about eight feet tall and very heavy, upwards of perhaps 300 pounds. Big boy, big, chonky boy, okay? I don't know how, but he said as a 10-year-old child, maybe he heard about 1818 in the 1940s, but he said that he knew that it must've been a skunk ape. So years after this incident in 1998, he sat in a tree stand, literally for months hoping to capture real evidence one day while he was sitting in his tree stand he nodded off and awoke to the sound of nearby splashing and he was amazed when he opened his eyes and he saw that the creature was similar to the one that he had seen as a child it was just walking through the marsh about a hundred yards away he said that he immediately started taking pictures left and right a total of 27 photos in just a few minutes he was completely in awe of what he saw and he got the photos developed and he decided that he wanted a little bit more corroboration so he reached out to Dade County archaeologist Bob Carr who said that he thought the images were pretty compelling indicating that the gate and the stature of the creature did not appear to be human-like at all but more so that of an ape. Bob said pretty much that if this were a hoax It would be a pretty elaborate hoax at that. And if you ask me, I don't know if it's a hoax, but I would not want to be down in the heat of Florida, literally getting swamp ass, pretending I'm a skunk ape. That does not make any sense. Mm -mm. It's hot as shit down there. (laughs) I can't be doing it.
1: That sounds like an
0: infection (laughs) waiting to happen.
1: (laughs) Like, honestly, bacterial. Fungal, yeah, no, thank
0: you. This Viral. podcast is sponsored by Monistat. <laughs> Just kidding. Not sponsored. Amoxicillin. z pack No, uh, this is not sponsored by Monistat. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so, anywho. <laughs> I, reckon I, I reckon I'll to get back to it. All right. So, Bob, the one that said he thought... If it were a hoax, it would be an elaborate one. He asked for the help of a local tracker slash surveyor named T.L. Riggs, which to me is a badass name.
1: T.L. So Bob
0: Bob and T.L. went to the site, and they saw that there were footprints left behind. He got cast of the footprint made, and you can see there's four toes, only four, but it looks like there's no heel. So it was applying all of its weight on the balls of its feet. T.L then pulled reddish-brown hair off of nearby trees and then had two samples sent off for analysis by scientists to see if it was a costume, bears, or some other animal that could be the culprit. Well, the Unsolved Mysteries update came back saying that the results that they had gotten from those hair samples came back inconclusive.
1: So that means it could be an undiscovered species, unclassified it could species. could be.
0: Could either be a species
1: that has yet to be discovered that is a legitimate ape family Mm -hmm. like animal or something supernatural.
0: Something spooky. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that the results came back completely inconclusive because they weren't able to make any kind of decision about what it was. So, in 2000, Dave Sheely also captured what looks to be video of the elusive skunk ape, and if you watch the video, you'll see that he's just panning, and this creature is just walking pretty wide strides, swinging his arms back and forth, and then as he pans over, he starts to jog a little bit, and then he goes out of frame, and... It's kind of weird. I mean, at this point, if this is if it's true that that's what it was, then this man has seen the skunk ape at least three times in his life. Which to me, like, what are the what are the odds of that? But Dave went on and started Sheely's Official Skunk Ape Headquarters, where he has a gift shop. He provides tours, and there's even a skunk ape festival. And I watched some videos of it on YouTube, and it's pretty cool. He's got even more casts of the footprints there's at least two of them that i saw and they were of different sizes so i guess there's more than one out there which is pretty interesting
1: yeah there's probably like a male and a female and probably like during the witching hour they probably have mated oh during the witching hour but they or what if there's what if they're like asexual and they I don't know. I'm trying to make up reasons as to why there's not more of them. Well,
0: like any cryptid, really, the one thing, especially with Bigfoot, the one thing that people keep coming back to is people are like, yo, we've never found a dead body. Like, if they're alive, if they're out here, where are the bodies? That's that's what's really strange about that. Like with dinosaurs, we at
1: least have fossils. Uh But, yeah... If they, yeah. Yeah. Because if they were supernatural, then perhaps they are immortal.
0: Immortal beings. Like vampires. So Dave's not the only folk who got to see this creature. There was another witness named John Vickers, and he is an Everglades tour guide. On July 19th, 1997, John was driving a bus full of tourists visiting the Everglades. He was showing off the local alligators, and all of the other local wildlife when he saw a hairy creature about 200 yards in front of his bus. He was crossing the street on his hind legs, and one of the passengers came up to John and was like, yo, what is that? And John just kind of brushed him off with a joke, something about an old hairy man out here in the Everglades. He said he's not sure if it was a real skunk ape, a hoax, or what, but like five other people said that they also saw the creature. It gets crazier. There was another witness, and that guy's name is Vince Stewart. He was a fire chief. Pretty badass profession, if you ask me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So Vince was driving, and he watched as this creature walked across the road, and he jumped out of his car. He called out to the creature and actually turned around, and he was even able to snap a photo of the creature as it wandered off into the woods. Even in... 1942 if we want to go way back in time there were some sightings and this is how this one went in 1942 there was a man in suwannee county that reported seeing an ape-like creature coming from out of the brush when he was driving down a quiet road and the creature allegedly grabbed and beat onto this man's vehicle for half a mile before breaking off. And then in Barden and Putnam counties, the creature was reported by many and referred to as the Barden booger. There's something out there floating around on the interwebs that's famously known as the Mayaka letter. You mentioned it looking like an orangutan yes basically the the cliff notes i'm going to read you the full thing but the cliff notes is that in the year 2000 someone sent an anonymous letter and photos of an ape-like creature that was pretty much stating that this creature was eating this person's apples and causing a ruckus and they were concerned that if it was an escaped orangutan it would hurt people and i'm going to pull up the screenshot of that right now Please pardon any stumbling on this because it's very tiny, tiny, tiny font. Okay, so this letter says, Dear Sir or Madam, Enclosed, please find some pictures I took in late September or early October of 2000. My husband says he thinks it's an orangutan. Is someone missing an orangutan? It is hard to judge from the photos just how big this orangutan actually is. It's in a crouching position in the middle of standing up from where it was sitting. It froze as soon as the flash went off. I didn't see it as I took the first picture because it was so dark. But as soon as the flash went off for a second time, it stood up and started to move. I then heard the orangutan walk off into the brush. From where I was standing, I judge it was about six and a half to 7 feet tall in a kneeling position. As soon as I realized how close it was, I got back into the house. It had an awful smell, and it lasted well after it had left my yard. The orangutan was making a deep whoop noise. It sounded much farther away, it turned out to be. If I had known it was as close to the hedgerow as it was, I wouldn't have walked up as close as I did. I'm a senior citizen and if this animal had come out of the hedgerow after me, there wasn't a thing that I could have done about it. I was about 10 foot away from it when it stood up. I'm concerned because my grandchildren like to come down and explore in my backyard. An animal this big could hurt someone very seriously. For two nights prior, It had been taking apples that my daughter had brought down from up north off of our back porch. These pictures were taken on the third night that it had raided my apples. It only came back one more night after that and it took some apples that my husband had left out in order to get a better look at it. We left out four apples. I cut two of them in half. The orangutan only took the whole apples. We didn't see it take them, but we waited up and eventually had to go to bed. We got a dog back there now, and as far as we can tell, the orangutan has not been back. Please find out where this animal came from and who it belongs to. It shouldn't be loose like this. Someone will get hurt. I called a friend that used to work with animal control back up north, and he told me to call the police. I don't want any fuss or people with guns traipsing around behind our house. We live off of I-75, and I'm afraid that this orangutan could cause a serious accident if someone hit it. I once hit a deer that wasn't even a quarter of its size, and that totaled my car. And at the very least, this animal belongs in a place like Bush Gardens, where it can be looked after properly. Why haven't people been told that an animal this size is on the loose? How are people to know how dangerous this could be? If I had known an animal like this was loose, I wouldn't have approached it. I saw on the news that monkeys that get loose can carry hepatitis and are very dangerous. Please look after this situation. I don't want my backyard to turn into someone else's circus. God bless. I prefer to remain anonymous. So there's that. Lord. I mean, could you imagine you're just aimlessly taking photos in your backyard and you see this creature that's like <laughs> the photo, the one that I sent you that has the red eyes. Yeah. That's that's the one of the photos that was included in that anonymous letter. Oh, and she took that one. Yeah, and to me, the creature does look an, look like an orangutan. However, you'll see that the eyes, not just the pupil, but the full eyes are lit up red. And I read somewhere on Reddit that apparently chimps and apes and orangutans, they don't have the membrane on your eye that would cause it to reflect back like that. So I'm not sure. And then also it looked like it has some random teeth that I don't know. You just have to. I don't know. Take it with a grain of salt. I think it's an orangutan, but not positivo. But let's see. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> the skunk ape also has made its way into pop culture. At Gatorland Orlando, there was a social distancing skunk ape when things started to open back up following, you know, the plague. And apparently people could go up to it and take pictures. It was just like a little statue. And... According to Reddit, the skunk ape is also a kind of weed. (laughs) One of the pictures I sent you was a guy and he's smoking from a vape pen and it's the skunk ape and
1: chill. (laughs) Skunk ape and chill. I would like to skunk ape and chill. I'm I'm probably going to
0: skunk ape and chill after this. So what do you think, Santa? Do you think it's escaped orangutans or you think it's a new species? could be like a coelacanth situation. I think the most compelling detail In this
1: story is the DNA, the inconclusive DNA sample from the fur. Because I feel that if it was someone in a costume, they would have detected synthetic fibers or something and identified that. And so, honestly, everything else, as far as I'm concerned, is objection hearsay. But the, the DNA thing, that's actually interesting to me as far as they should look into that more maybe someone should retest that if they have yeah. access to it and see if they maybe we've come farther since that last unsolved mysteries update
0: right I'm not I'm not sure exactly but I read something else about how there were tests that came back as something in the ape family and they weren't sure what it was but yeah I'm I don't know not really sure what I think I do think it's either an orangutan or a Some species of ape that has not been discovered. Maybe there's been some crossbreeding of some kind. Who knows?
1: Yeah.
0: And then, like I said, like the the coelacanth, that fish that they thought was extinct. And then the guy found him in the Indian Ocean years and years later. It could be something like that. Not really sure. But my sources, obviously, Unsolved Mysteries, the original gangster, season 10, episode 5. So good. Wikipedia, all hill, Wikipedia, Reddit, several posts on Reddit smithsoniamagazine.com and click Orlando. And yeah, that's pretty much my story. Yay. Yay. Cryptid. Our first cryptid story on the
1: podcast.
0: Yay. Okay, Santa. So what about you? What had you shook this week?
1: So shameless promotion for this book, The Feminine Macabre, volume one Mm -hmm. that I've been dying to read for a long time. I finally ordered it off of amazon they're currently writing the fourth volume as we speak so looking forward to that but yeah i started reading it just to see all the cool stories because they're all stories all written by women every time it's all just like stories pertaining to the paranormal hell yeah some some of the stories are about parapsychology some of them are debunking stories which I just, I'm really drawn to that, the debunking stories for some reason, so sorry in advance for that. For people that are looking for true ghost stories, because I'll probably tell a lot of debunking stories on this podcast, even though I want to believe in spirits. This is really convoluted. But yeah, so I found this really cool story that I was shook by for several reasons. There are some elements to it that like really hit close to home for me. There are like some synchronicities with my personal life and personal trauma that... I was like, whoa, this is freaky. So this is a story from The Feminine Macabre written by Sarah Blake. This was my main source for my story, by the way, because there really isn't a whole lot of information out there other than news articles because that is where this story was covered. It was covered in news articles in the twenties, like heavily as spiritualism was becoming this really big spectacle in entertainment for people. And so this is about a man named Thomas Lynn Bradford. He was a professor of occult studies. He had a particular interest in the afterlife. And he set out in the 20s, 1921 actually, to do an experiment in an attempt to prove the afterlife. So he put out- what? mm -hmm, How's he gonna prove the existence of the afterlife you ask? In a really fucked up way. Spoiler alert. Oh, no. Um, so he put... Right. Oh, no. He put yeah. out an ad in a local Detroit newspaper looking for someone who was interested in spiritualistic science. And he was basically looking for a partner to help him carry this out. And a woman named Ruth Duran who was a researcher and an academic, she responded to the ad and she has always said that she never really knew much about spiritualism and never was really that interested in it. But seeing that ad, she was like, oh, this could be interesting, something I don't know, learn more about it, you know? So she responded to the ad. They had several meetings about the experiment and what it would entail. And then finally, on February 5th, 1921, they met for the last time and said their goodbyes. And it was time for the experiment to officially take place. The point of no return. Uh Uh-oh, spaghettios. Mm -hmm. So basically, she left. He had been... Renting a room, by the way, from this man named Mr. Marcotte. And that was his landlord. So she left his rented room. He closed the door. He turned on his heater, blew the pilot light out, and turned the gas all the way up. And then he laid down in his bed. And he committed suicide on purpose from the gas fumes with the intention of his consciousness, I I suppose, with the intention of his consciousness surviving to to tell the tale. So the next day, his landlord, Mr. Marcotte, found his body, and the gas was still on, actually, in the room. They oh. had to turn that off. Toxic fumes. And then the police officers noticed that there was a page still sitting in his typewriter from when he typed up his final note the night before, when he was preparing to lay down in the gas fumes. And That final note said, and it is through scientific facts that I propose to demonstrate clearly the phenomena of spirits and prove that all the phenomena is outside the domain of supernatural. So that was his final note. He was trying to find some kind of scientific link to the afterlife and prove that to the, the world. And of course, the police were trying to investigate further into that because that is a pretty cryptic last message Yeah. to try to interpret and they connected the dots back to Lil miss Ruth Duran his assistant in the experiment and when they asked her about her involvement she said that she had no idea that he was planning to kill himself that's what she said I don't know what to believe about that because I don't know it just seems like that discussion had to have occurred
0: for me. Yeah. I mean, if the whole experiment is, is there life after death? If, if that's what the, the question is that they're trying to solve, then what did she think he was going to do? Right. What
1: did you think he was going to do to prove it? I don't know. I mean, but you know, she claimed she didn't know. So she didn't have to go to jail or anything for her connection to his death. And really, at the end of the day, like, at the end of the day, it was suicide, you know? It was his idea, but I guess these days we would call that an assisted suicide, which is what I believe this was, but in, of course, much different terms. It's not like a mercy assistance suicide type situation. It's like, we're, Curiosity killed the cat suicide. Oh, speaking of cats. Speaking of cats, Fry decided
0: he wanted to have his moment
1: Okay, block the whole camera In the
0: lights, yes. He has got his booty hole up in my camera.
1: <laughs> that was perfect timing, too. I was like, oh, she's talking about not curiosity, my killing cat. the cat. And then <laughs> <laughs> wow, synchronicities oh, no. everywhere with this story. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyways, so Ruth Duran escaping jail time. So she can go and continue the experiment. Because the whole point was, which this is another reason why I find it a little funny that she said she had no idea he was planning on killing himself. Because she knew that the whole plan was for him to contact her from the other side. How's he supposed to contact you from the other side? Yeah. Unless he dies. He has to die in order to attempt that. Anyways... Uh. Yeah, so after he died, I think the night or the night after they had found his body that same night, uh-huh. they she started doing vigils to try to contact his spirit because she said, She basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, he's my friend and if he's gonna if he's gonna appear to anyone or if he's gonna speak to anyone, it's gonna be me first. Like he's gonna come to me first and communicate with me, because that was his intention. That's a
0: bold statement.
1: Yeah. And so she was like very confident that if this experiment was going to go, as he hypothesized, he would communicate to her some way, somehow. And so the first time that she attempted to get through to him, she did not, nothing happened. She didn't feel anything more than a strange sensation, as she was quoted saying. And then they continued the vigils and nothing was really happening until a woman named Lulu Mack, who was a medium, she came forward during one of the vigils, and she said that she heard a voice calling the name Thomas Bradford. She told reporters at the time that he couldn't communicate very well because of the suicide, so his spirit was, like, very weak. So anytime anytime anyone was hearing his spirit, try to communicate. It was very fragmented. So, a week after he died, Ruth Duran suddenly had this confidence that she was going to hear from him that night. And so she decided, ladies, assemble. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. At 9 o'clock p.m. on the dot, we are going to turn off all the lights and I'm going to get in the zone AutoZone, (laughs) and I'm going (laughs) to talk to Thomas Bradford. AutoZone. AutoZone. Oh, that's O'Reilly. Crossover. We know our jingles here. We really do. So, yeah, at 9 o'clock on the dot, they turned the lights off. She had somebody nearby to write down whatever words were said to record the sesh. And at a certain point, she put her hands on her temples like the classic hmm and she was like I sense him he's here and oh what she specifically said was I hear his voice it is faint but it grows more distinct it is the professor oh. and then during that sesh she basically he basically spoke through her he said all of this I am the professor who speaks to you from the beyond I have broken through the veil. The help of the living has greatly assisted me. I simply went to sleep. I woke up and at first did not realize that I had passed on. I find no great change apparent. I expected things to be much different. They are not. Human forms are retained in outline, but not in the physical. I have not traveled far. I'm still much in the darkness. I see many people. They appear natural. There is a lightness of responsibility here, unlike life. One feels full of rapture and happiness. Persons of like nature's associate. I am associated with other investigators. I do not repent my act. My present plane is but the first series. I am still investigating the future planes regarding which we, in this plane, are as ignorant as our earthly beings of the life just beyond human life. So he basically said that he doesn't regret what he did. No regrets. No regrets and he's in a better place. It's he's basically saying there's no stress. It's happy there. He's chilling with the homies and it's interesting how he said that he can see, he can basically see us living but it's just an outline and not detail. And the way, the thing that stood out to me the most is when he said, my present plane is but the first series. And that just reminds me a lot of past life theories Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Because from the past life stories that I've heard and read, there is always this sort of Mm in-between plane. Like a purgatory? It is kind of like that. It's, it's like a holding... It's like the green room. It's like a green room for musicians before they're going to go on stage or something, you know? It's a holding, yeah. a holding area, a holding universe world. I don't know. But yeah, specifically, I read this in a book called Many Lives, Many Masters. I will definitely let you borrow my copy. I haven't finished Yay! reading it. I'm like halfway through it, but... That particular sentence reminded me immediately of that woman's past life regression hypnosis sessions. And I don't know, like, it's interesting. I mean, everything Ruth Duran claims he said is really interesting. So if she was making it up, I wonder where she came up with it. But I don't know. But really sad, the whole thing. The whole thing is really sad because he didn't have to do all that. Was he married? He was married. His wife was back in Wisconsin, and I find it funny. Well, if I was his wife, I would really find it funny. How are you going to not come talk to me first? And she's like, going
0: to have the audacity to say, "Oh yeah, he's coming to me first for sure." It's giving. Meanwhile. It's giving side piece, a little bit.
1: You know, it's giving it extramarital activities.
0: Ugh, can't be doing that now.
1: Yeah. So that's, that, that's my biggest takeaway is you had a whole wife over there and you're going to come see Ruth first. I get it though. That was who he was doing this experiment with. Who knows? Maybe his wife back in Wisconsin thought that his research was stupid or something. Who knows? I mean,
0: maybe she didn't, maybe she didn't want to participate. Maybe she, I mean, if I'm his wife, I definitely don't want him doing that anyway. If you must get on Craigslist. You're going to have to find somebody else to do it because I'm not doing it. And he said, okay. (laughs) Oh,
1: okay. (laughs) He said, okay, I will. Sure. (laughs) Who knows? I don't know. I'm just speculating. I'm wildly (laughs) speculating about his love affair that could have not been at all. So, but I still think it was. I just have a feeling. It's intuition. But yeah, so Ruth, after she said, just to tie this story up for y'all, after Thomas spoke through her, during that, that sesh, that communication sesh, at the stroke of 10 o'clock p.m., they turned the lights back on. She read over all the fragments of what the person writing had written that she spoke out, and uh-huh. then after she read it all together, she fainted, and then they had to bring her back with the smell and salts and shit, probably. I'm speculating that. They could have just put some skunk ape under her nose. <laughs> skunk ape. That's what we need to wake up. Forget caffeine. Just a little can of skunk ape. Just a little, just a little canister. <laughs> a little jar. Uh, <laughs> skunk ape salts. They should Yeah. S- that's what that David guy should sell at his little gift shop. Oh, I bet he does. Skunk ape he salts. He probably smells a little of everything. Bath salts that just smell like skunk ape. Defeating the purpose of the bath. Yeah, so anyway. So she fainted, came back, and... That was really kind of like the grand finale for the papers and their interest in this situation because it was this big spectacle for a while of this man doing this. It was really crazy. Mm-hmm. And then she she says that she communicated off and on throughout her life after that too, regularly. And I found a fun fact... Remember how hmm. in my last story with Sarah Winchester, Harry Houdini was mentioned in there because he had come and he had checked the, the Winchester Mystery House to see if like he believed there were ghosts there? Yeah. Well, Harry Houdini is also featured in this a little bit. So Harry Houdini believed the same thing as this man, as Thomas Bradford. Mm-hmm. Like He believed in the communication being a thing. In the afterlife. Mm -hmm. But he didn't kill himself to find out. He just simply told his wife. Because he loved his wife very much. That he would communicate with her. After he passed. And that he had every intention of doing that. Which. That's a good man for you. He told his wife. Right. I'm going to communicate with you first. Not Not Ruth. Ruth. And (laughs) But his (laughs) wife tried. The sad part. Is his wife. Tried diligently for 10 years to reach him. And she was honest in saying that she did not have any successful communications with him. Which is so sad. That
0: is awful.
1: Yeah, it's very sad.
0: I would be devastated means... if Connelly didn't come to say hi to me.
1: Right! Time to time. Like, like, pull your chair out from under you and pick up the mail, you know? Yeah. Remember that time that I told you about this poem that I wrote in middle school about ghosts and it was like really stupid and nonsensical but I thought it was hilarious at the time yeah can you do it you have to tell everybody yes it's like a very it's very ridiculous and animated so this is the poem I'm a ghost you can't <laughs> it's the you can't see me part that is just so dumb <laughs> Say- Okay, so this is my poem. I'm a ghost. You can't see me. I'll pull your chair out from under you and pick up the mail. You'll pass out, and in your dreams, you'll see Slim Jims playing putt-putt. That's my poem. The ends.
0: It's the gas station Slim Jim for me. Yeah, it is. I love. <laughs> I used to love Slim Jims.
1: And- I'm not going to lie to you.
0: I eat them all the time when Connelly and I go on road trips.
1: I love me some like beef jerky. <laughs> My favorite ones are the ones that have the cheese as part of the package.
0: I actually haven't tried that kind yet. You haven't we had... get the Tabasco flavored Slim Jims. Oh, this
1: isn't a this isn't actually Slim Jim brand. It's mm. like a different brand, but they have a long cheese stick in there with the meat stick. Oh. And you can just take a bite of the meat stick and the cheese stick at the same time, and it's the best of both worlds.
0: Charcuterie board it's in like a charcuterie
1: plastic board. wrap. It's a charcuterie board <laughs> without the charcuterie crackers. Without the crackers. Yeah. With, without the carbs. It has carbs still. <laughs> <laughs> mm, fake cheese. Yeah, it is definitely <laughs> fake cheese. It's good, though. I try to get those meat sticks a lot and put them in my backpack to take to work because a lot of times I don't eat before I go to work. And then I'm just starving for no good reason. Mm. And then I'm just like, oh, meat stick. And then it saves me.
0: Damn, Daniel. Yeah.
1: So that's our stories. But didn't you say that you had received... Uh, a story that someone went to our website and filled out the
0: contact form. I'm so glad you asked. Okay, so we did get a story and the story comes from Taylor, who may or may not be my (laughs) sister-in-law. All right, so... She's a real one for doing it. She's a real one. She's a real one. Okay, so this is what Taylor had to say. When I was around nine years old, I had a paranormal experience that I will never forget. We lived in this house whose owner had died before we purchased the house, though to my knowledge, she did not pass away in the house. However, there were always odd things happening in our house, such as things being moved to odd places in the house or toys going off suddenly at night. Absolutely freaking not. So those events never freaked me out as much as this one did. I was alone in my house putting away laundry. I went from my parents' room into mine and put away my clothes. I look over at my chest of drawers and I see my toy aerial phone floating mid-air. What? I can't. I can't. That would freak me out. Okay. Okay. She said, I stare at it, just analyzing what was happening. I blinked a few times, and it was still floating. I had this sudden feeling that something was looking at me, and then bam, the phone drops to the ground. I dropped my clothes, and I ran out of the house as fast as I could. I stayed outside until my parents arrived at our house, and I told them what had happened to me, and they refused to believe what I had just witnessed. Not
1: the aerial toy levitating. You want thing a bobs It's so scary.
0: <laughs> that is so scary, and I have no idea how you can rationalize that. Taylor, so that.
1: that was really interesting, and I'm upset that no one believed you. Yeah. But that's, that's how that bummer. usually goes. Like, nobody ever believes. When, Especially the parental units. Never. Yeah, when I was a kid, I had seen something weird, and yeah. no one believed me, and no one believes me to this day, But when I was, like, three, I saw in my hallway, it was Easter time, and it was, like, the night before Easter, Mm -hmm. and there was someone in the hallway, like, because the hallway, like, looked into my bedroom, and my door was open, wearing an Easter bunny costume, and it was, like, a brown Easter bunny costume, and he said to me, hey, little girl, do you want some candy. And I was like, I was like, what yes. The fuck? Yeah. And I was like, yes. And cause I was awake in my bed, like playing with a toy. Cause I, Ugh. cause I had awoken, I'd awakened in the night and I was like playing with a toy in my bed. And he was like, do you want some candy? And I was like, yes, I want to get my Easter basket. And he was like, well, you're not going to get it unless you go back to sleep. And that was it. But it was like a brown Easter Bunny costume. It was so weird. And I saw it in the hall. And I woke up, like, the next day, I told my mom, I thought it was one of her boyfriends. Like, I deadass thought it was one of her boyfriends dressed as the Easter Bunny or something. And she said that nobody did that. She was like, nobody dressed
0: up as the Easter Bunny or anything. You didn't see that. And I was like,
1: I saw it, though.
0: That is so terrifying. Like, what in the Donnie Darko?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I can't explain that because it was that baby's first sleep paralysis demon or what? I've got stories about that,
0: but we'll save that for another time. That's insane.
1: Yeah. I still don't understand
0: what happened there. Holy guacamole. And didn't you tell me, didn't you tell me recently that you had a, you had played with a Ouija board one time? I have. Yeah. I've
1: done, yeah. I've done Ouija boards a couple of times, um, by myself I was in the room with other people, but I was the only one with my hand on the planchette and the only one like at the board Mm -hmm. doing anything. The first time I did it, there were two other people there. One person was sitting like completely across the room and then the other girl was sitting next to me on the bed, but just kind of observing like off to the side. And I had my hands, you know, with the planchette, you lightly place your fingertips on it. Like you don't push it. You don't push down on it. You just are barely touching it. Mm. And the first time I had like communications with someone who said they were a female, said that they had either lived, I don't remember if it was lived or worked on Fifth Street. And this was in Chattanooga, Fifth Street. And, but they did say something about working in either a shoe factory or a hose, hosiery factory, something of mm. that sort. And in that particular instance, I asked this person to tell me their name, and I asked them three different times. The first time I asked her what her name was, the planchette went up to no, like where it says yes and no at the top, went up to no. And then the second time she spelled out no, and then the third time she spelled out no with an N and a zero instead of a the letter O. I don't like that. So she just like said no a million times. And I was like, okay, damn, I'll stop asking. And I guess I don't remember how I ended the communication with that one. But the next time I did a Ouija board was at my friend Gage's dorm. And it was Halloween time. And everyone around me was carving pumpkins. And once again, I was the only person playing with the Ouija board off in the corner. And... <laughs> Not weird at all. <laughs> yeah. And so in that instance... I was communicating with a spirit that did give me a name and they gave me the name Nola Ullman and the last name Ullman was spelled out as U-H-L-M-A-N and they Mm. said that they had been a chemistry professor at UTC and I don't remember if they said that they died when they were 50 or they died in the 50s. Huh. But something about the 50s. Did you try looking them up to yeah. see if they were real? Yeah. And so I got really excited when I got a name. And I went on the computer in the dorm and Googled UTC faculty like records and stuff. And I couldn't find anything that way. But even a basic Google search, like that name is so random and it seems like it doesn't exist. And actually, I brought it up to Gage the other day he looked it up and couldn't find anything. And That's I was like, crazy. I was like, well, will you try spelling the name a little different? Like U L M A N. Cause maybe the H was like an accident or something. Yeah. And that didn't get any results either. And so <sighs> at the time when I wasn't able to find Nola Ullman in my basic Google searches, I was like, I feel that this spirit lied to me. And so I went back to the board and I asked if, they lied. I was like, did you lie? And they said yes. <gasps> it was and a demon. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I gathered. And I was like, why did you lie? And then the planchette just went off the board. Like, didn't go down to mm-hmm. goodbye. Just like went diagonally off the board. Oh. And I was like, oh my God. And I don't remember if I successfully did a goodbye or not. Oh, I hope and you told it goodbye. I feel like I did, but I don't know. Because I was, like, freaked out when I found out that they lied. I was like, <sighs> I mean, maybe it could have been a pranking spirit, but I don't know. It freaked me out. And then after that, when I went home to the house that I lived in at the time, like, I started having all these, like, weird electrical things going on. Like, in the kitchen, Mm-mm. the main, like hanging overhead light things there were these three light fixtures that hung in the middle and they would all just flicker randomly and they used Mm -mm. to not do that they never did that before until right after that and they just all the time and usually it would happen when i was home alone like it didn't happen a lot in front of other people no then i would also hear footsteps above my room which to my knowledge there wasn't like a one of those pull-down attic things up there. I mean, Uh there was obviously some kind of crawl space up there, but I would just hear footsteps, like someone walking in boots. And then multiple times when I was in the shower, I would hear what sounded like somebody walking in boots going up the stairs because the bathroom where I took the shower was right at the top of the stairs. So I would hear the footsteps and think that it was my roommate. I always would think, oh, my roommate's home because I would be singing in the shower like, I sang in the shower all the time. I still do. Singing in the shower. It's it's the Santa world tour every time I take a shower. <gasps> Santa's karaoke world tour. And so I was doing that then, too. And so I was always very hyper aware if someone came home because I was embarrassed if someone were <laughs> yeah. to catch me singing in the shower. So every time I heard those footsteps, I was always like, oh, God, Drew's here. <laughs> Stop singing. Stop singing. It's embarrassing. And then I would stop singing and then I would get out of the shower and he's not home. Like, multiple oh, times, no. Like, and I even asked him, I was like, there was one time that I asked him, I was like, did you come home while I was in the shower and then leave? No. So it's oh, like, he was never, no. he was never there when I was hearing that. So
0: you may not have told it goodbye. You might want to do that right now.
1: I don't feel that I have that anymore.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. And honestly, when I moved from that
1: house, it was better from there as far as that type of stuff. That's good. But yeah, it was weird. And also, not only was it like electrical stuff going on in the footsteps, but then also like my roommate at the time, like just treat started treating me really weird, like hmm. out of nowhere. Like... He just didn't like me anymore all of a sudden. And we had this like really good relationship before that. strange. And he just had this weird shift Hmm. in like how he treated me, which he later apologized to me for. Years later, he apologized. But it, it was really bad vibes in that house. Maybe he was oppressed. He was. I mean, I think that he was having his own issues, but I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But the vibes were... Very low. Low vibrational. Mm, Not a fan of those low vibes. Not a fan of the low vibes. But you know what is high vibe? What? Running Up That Hill by (laughs) Kate Bush. (laughs) (laughs) That is high vibrational right there. Yes. And that song is having a resurgence due to Stranger Things Season 4, which I still haven't watched yet because I know that I'm No
0: spoilers, please. Well,
1: I'm not going to spoil it cuz I haven't watched it. How could I spoil yes, it? Nobody spoil not you, but nobody oh. spoil it. <laughs> I was like, I just prefaced this by saying I haven't even watched it.
0: I haven't even seen it.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, if
0: you're if you're in our comments somewhere, don't say anything. I haven't I don't even think I saw season 3 yet. Actually, do
1: say anything cuz this is probably not going to release <laughs> like th- by the time this releases, Amanda will have watched Stranger Things season Maybe. 4. Maybe. Maybe. And if she hasn't, that's her fault.
0: That's, that's my a- <laughs> fault.
1: I played myself.
0: You sh- <laughs> I,
1: I'm going to watch it soon. I've been just like waiting for the right time because I know once I started, I'm going to binge watch it. And I have to be yeah. in a place where I can hunker down and do that. And yes. I didn't feel like I could do that really. So without worrying about other responsibilities or something. So maybe I'll start right. it tonight.
0: Maybe. That sounds like fun. Hunker down. Grab your blanket. Time to watch Stranger Prepare Things. Prepare to be
1: shook.
0: Yes. I will be yes, shook. Honey. I know it. Yeah. You'll be shook upside down. Run up
1: that hill.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Make a deal with God.
1: I'm sorry. I'm so obsessed no, with this song.
0: This was a pretty spooky episode. Thanks again to Taylor yeah. for submitting a story and if you want to be cool like taylor and be part of our shook pod squad and send a shook story all you have to do is go to our website shookpodcast.com and submit a form or you can email us at shookparanormalpod at gmail.com thank you so much for
1: tuning in to shook and see you next fall <laughs>
0: <laughs> bye now bye bye, bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shook. New episodes of Shook drop every other Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Soon to be wherever you find your podcasts. Check out our show notes for more information on this week's episode, our social links, and more. Until next time, stay shook. Hey, do you have a personal paranormal encounter that you'd like to share with us? Visit our website, shookpodcast.com, to fill out our contact form. Or you can send us an email at Shook. Paranormal at gmail.com.